This week, with harvest season in the rearview mirror, we check on what Missouri's ongoing drought meant to one of the state's most important cash crops, corn. Then we'll hear about challenges and opportunities for military veterans interested in entrepreneurship. Welcome to Business Brief, Missouri Business Alert's podcast focused on the business news and issues shaping the state. My name is Siggy Reese, and I am joined by my co-host, Chelsea Peter. Chelsea, how are you doing this week? I'm doing good. Coming off a great Thanksgiving break. What about you? I'm doing well. Have you checked out your Spotify wrapped? I have. I think, I mean, unpopular opinion, I have Apple Music. <laughs> but yes, yeah, same thing, same thing. What about you? Who was your top artist? Mine, unsurprisingly, was Taylor Swift. What okay. about you? Yeah, no, mine was SZA. Oh, you went to a SZA concert recently, right? Yes, I did. So it really tracks. I love that we both saw our top artists in, in person this in year. Concert? I know. Yeah, awesome. That's awesome. Oh, look at that. Uh, well, are you ready to get into this week's headlines? Yes, let's do it. Awesome. The U.S. economy grew at a rate of 5.2% annually in the third quarter, the Commerce Department announced Wednesday. The department's second estimate of gross domestic product for the quarter showed stronger growth than the first estimate released last month. The upward revision mainly came from growth of non-residential fixed investments and higher government spending. Consumer spending was revised downward to growth of 3.6% compared to the initial estimate of 4%. American shoppers set new records for online spending on both Black Friday and Cyber Monday this year. According to Adobe Analytics, shoppers spent nearly $10 billion on online deals Friday, up more than 7% from 2022. Monday brought more than $12 billion in online purchases, a nearly 10% jump from last year. BJC Healthcare and St. Luke's Health System this week finalized plans to merge. The deal will take effect in January and will result in a healthcare system spanning 28 hospitals and hundreds of clinics. Kansas City-based St. Luke's will fold into St. Louis-based BJC, but both will retain their branding in their respective cities. The revenue for the merged system will amount to about $10 billion. The hospital systems first announced the deal in May, but it had to win approval from regulators. Ameren, Missouri's largest electric provider, is planning to shut down its coal-powered plant in Jefferson County earlier than anticipated. Last week, Ameren filed with utility regulators to recoup its investment from Rush Island Energy Center. The company announced almost two years ago it would close the power plant, opting to do that rather than installing required pollution controls. Columbia-based construction technology company Equipment Share opened a new facility in Moberly this week. Equipment Share will invest nearly $50 million into the facility, which will be a new industrial and upfitting center. The new facility is expected to create about 150 jobs over the next four years. Business Brief will continue after a quick word from our sponsors. Are you a connector? Someone that loves to help others find the resources and people they need? Do you love to network? Do you want to be your own boss and have time to take care of your family too? Well, now you can own your own Connection Exchange affiliated business and make valuable connections in your own community. The Connection Exchange is a welcoming service that greets new residents and business owners with a welcome gift to introduce them to all the things that make their new community great. This is not a franchise. Each location owns and operates their own business. At Connection Exchange, we share the joy of meaningful connections in our local communities. How fun is that? Find out more at connection-exchange.com. Thank you. 
Our next story takes a look at how the ongoing drought in the state has impacted an important crop, corn. Oh, what's going on with corn? So this year's drought has disproportionately affected growing conditions across Missouri, leaving corn farmers experiencing varying yields. In some areas, irrigation and timing led to higher yields, while farmers in other parts of the state had small harvests. Oh, interesting. Very. Missouri Business Alert reporter Kyla Peer talked with Justin Calhoun, a University of Missouri Extension State Specialist in Soils and Cropping Systems, about this year's corn season. Here's part of their conversation. What conditions are required for the optimal growth, the optimal harvest? Corn needs quite a bit of water. I, I can't tell you exact uh, acre inches, um, but a quick literature can, search could show you that. Uh, but it is a pretty high water user, um, and especially during reproductive phases. Um, water use during vegetative phases um, can be high because it puts a lot of growth on really fast. Um, but when it really gets into reproductive phases, it uses a lot of water, and it needs to be an overall healthy plant in that phase. So, um, you know, when, when you see corn out of the field, you know, a lot of people think about corn and, and they have the tassels coming out of the top of the plant. It's actually your pollen. And then when you think about your ear on the, on the stalk there, um, when, it is, when it is in reproductive phase, that ear has silks coming out of it, you know, that come out the end of the, the ear and the husk. And what that, those silks do is it's catching the pollen that falls off the top of the plant. So when corn gets stressed, heat stress, um, due to lack of moisture, the leaves roll up. And what those leaves do, especially those right there around the corn ear, is act as a funnel for the pollen that's falling off the top of the plant to land on the leaf, and then it kind of funnels down to the ear and pollinates the ear. So when we don't have uh, adequate water or moisture during the reproductive phase and those leaves roll up, we have bad pollination, and that's going to absolutely kill our yields. Um, to my understanding, corn crop yields vary very vastly depending on the region that the corn crops are in um, in Missouri. So um, some regions, they were able to recover um, from the drought while others had a little bit more difficulty in uh, doing so. Can you span, expand a little bit on um, why, why this is? So why did some recover better than others? Well, one, it's going to depend on what part you're in. Obviously, Southeast Missouri recovered better than the rest of the state because we have so much irrigation capacity. It also depends on at what stage did we see that drought. So I think some of our more southern regions um, saw a worse impact from the drought because while we had available moisture, that corn got large enough and got close enough to reproductive stages to where its water use curve really started to ramp up. Whereas later planted stuff in more northern Missouri wasn't as far along. Um, just because of their, their environmental conditions, they can't plant as soon as we are. And so when that drought hit, that corn was a lot smaller. Uh, the water usage wasn't as high. And, and that corn, when hit in that stage, it does take, uh, it, it takes a bit of a drought to completely kill that corn crop off. It can sit there and suffer and and take a lot of stress. And then when the moisture returns finally at the end of the drought, it will kick back on and continue to grow. And the farther uh, farther along it is, closest to the reproductive process it is, uh, when that drought occurs, the more yield loss it's going to experience. And I know that kind of seems backwards because you'd think a small plant, it, it's more uh, vulnerable to stresses. Uh, it, would, it would kill off faster. 
it actually sits there a little bit better, handles that stress a little better, and then it 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 recovers better. Uh, with global warming, with uh, drought conditions like those Missouri experienced over the summer, um, those will unfortunately likely be seen again and again and again. Um, likely that that will be the new normal. Um, how do you propose that farmers, I guess, combat this? Oh um, yeah, well, my my answer for Southeast Missouri is easy, right? Make sure you're getting <laughs> timely. Um, but but uh, you know that's not always the case, and we know that's not always the case. Um, so. You know, it's it's hard for us to to draw conclusions on what corn production, what any kind of crop production is going to be in, in the next decade, because you're right. The environment's always changing. It's shifting. It's moving. And uh, th- that's uh, that's the fun part for us agronomists. We're always having to try to adjust and, and find the, the right answers in the, in the conditions that we're dealt with. Um, so, you know, really my, my recommendation for uh, for non-irrigated guys uh if if you're thinking about uh, how do i manage uh drought conditions number one um take a good hard look into some of the varieties that you're growing um because there are varieties that can handle drought stress better than others um so talk with your seed reps talk with your local extension uh, representatives, you really sit down, and if that is a concern for you, make sure that you have um, the proper varieties that are bred for that type of environment. Because there are so many varieties available to us, and we don't think this is going to be an every year deal. Because we know we've 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 got notes and trials from agronomists from decades past that there are periods of drought, and the next year we're going to get. 10 times more rain than what we've ever expected. And the, the, the next article someone called me about is how do we handle flood tolerant corn? Um, so it's, it's just in the moment that we're in making sure that we manage our inputs to where we're not shooting ourselves in the foot. We're surviving until the next year. For our next story, we'll hear about some resources for military veterans who are looking to start a business. Interesting. What kind of resources exist in the state? So there are a few organizations in Missouri that support military veteran entrepreneurship. Starting a business can be a good option for veterans because of skills they learn in the military and the autonomy owning a business can offer. Got it. So who are we hearing from today? We'll hear from Mitch Fitzpatrick, the Director of Training and Outreach at VetBiz, an organization that provides free resources to veterans interested in starting a business. Missouri Business Alert reporter Lucy Valeski interviewed him during a live event last month. Here's part of their conversation. Thank you for taking the time to talk with me today, Mitch. Of course. Thank you for having me. What are some benefits of opening a business as a veteran? Well, I think um, a lot of the focus when people get out of the military is always going to be on employment, um, things that when there's a dramatic shift or a big life event happens, you know, homelessness, things like that, gaining employment, unemployment of veterans and military spouses. But veterans and military spouses are equipped with those soft skills that make for great entrepreneurs. Um, And there's a lot of different programs, corporations, things like that, that are trying to give veterans and military spouses a boost up and show them that they can do it. What are some of those soft skills that um, military veterans or their family members have that can equip them to be good entrepreneurs? Yeah, I think the biggest one 
and it kind of encapsulates a lot of different ones under it is just problem solving, resiliency, those kind of together. Um, you can, things change all the time in the military, especially you're not always given all the equipment you need to get the job done. You're not always given, you know, the personnel maybe that you would be ideal to get the job done. Uh, but it's always mission first. And it's the same thing with the families. You know, you may be moving around different places. You got to find schooling for the kids. You got to find all these different things and make sure the home's uh, good to go. So you're spinning all these different plates at once. Resiliency is a huge one. So what specific um, challenges do military veterans run into when raising funding for their business? It can be a bigger hurdle for veterans and those that are coming out of the military, military spouses as well, is maybe the credit factor. Um, just because for multiple reasons, either something bad happened and they, they have poor credit for whatever reason, or it just was never a really big issue in the military to build up a credit score. They just wasn't something that they were doing actively because uh, they're worried about all these other things. And you were getting, you know, allowances for housing and things like that in the military and your insurance was through the military. So you didn't really have to worry about building up credit. And that's one big thing you need when you're going for outside financing. They're going to be looking at that credit score. So there's and that again, if somebody comes to us and they're, they're they say, hey, I really want to get some funding for my business, but I know my credit might be a hurdle for that. You know, we will, we have resources, we have people we can refer them out to. There's a ton of different answers for that. Uh, credit repair, nonprofits that are out there. There's, you know, micro lenders that they can look, look into, which are, you get a little bit, you know, you might not get that million dollar loan that you're looking for, but you know, they usually go up to about $250,000 and they may not be as stringent on some of the other factors that go into getting funding. What are some of the first steps you recommend for veterans who want to start a business? For me, um, and what I've seen, education is definitely key. Um, and there's multiple ways to do it because I realize people are busy and it's hard for it's hard, hard for me to see that because I'm I'm doing I'm in the entrepreneurship space every single day and we kind of lose sight of well, people actually have jobs and they've got all these other things they're doing and this small business thing they're trying to launch might be, they're kind of fitting it in where they can fit it in. So just, I would say, reach out to a resource partner and we understand, you know, use, I like to tell people, use us as your new unit. You know, when you get out of the military and you're trying to launch or grow your business, because we will meet you where you're at. If it's like, hey, I need help with A, B or with a marketing plan, um, we know, and I just want to kind of get some education on that. We can find courses that are on demand that will kind of fit your schedule or, you know, resources. You come to us with what your problem is and we'll meet you where you're at. And I think that's really important. It is now time for us to get into our words of the week. Chelsea, what do you have for us this week? My words are buy now, pay later. Okay, sounds like a catchphrase of some kind. Are you referring to credit cards? Well, not exactly. Have you ever almost clicked purchase on an online order and seen a button that says something like paying installments? That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, I think I have actually, but I don't really know what it means. Can you explain it? Sure. So it essentially acts as a short-term loan. You make an initial payment when you hit purchase, and then you pay the rest of the total amount over a period of installments. The installments could be over a few weeks or a few months. Many buy-now-pay-later companies offer these loans interest-free. 
Okay, so why is this payment option in the news right now? Well, the use of buy now, pay later plans has increased recently, and experts anticipate increases during the holiday season. But some analysts are warning that the payment plan could lead to increased debt. Interesting. So what are the potential negatives to the buy now, pay later plan? If a borrower doesn't make a payment, they can be barred from using the app that supplied the loan, or they can be charged interest or fees. That's all I've got this week. What's your word, Siggy? My words are teacher pay. Oh, so what's going on there? Well, here in Missouri, it's not looking so good. Missouri is typically ranked low for teacher pay overall, but a new rural schools report shows the state is ranked second to last for rural teacher pay. Mm, So what does that mean for the state? Lower teacher salaries can mean high turnover. Some rural schools have turned to the four-day school week to try to retain teachers. Over 30% of schools in Missouri are using this schedule, according to a rural schools expert. Wow. So what else did the report say? The report showed that 16% of rural Missouri households don't have access to broadband internet, making Missouri the ninth worst state in the country for rural broadband access. For a closing thought, here's Mitch Fitzpatrick again on his advice for small business owners. The biggest thing for us is just letting them know that there's so many no-cost resources out there uh, like us and all the partners that we work with. So it's okay. And I like to tell people, you know, a lot of successful businesses, they start small, you know, prove that you can sell your product to your service. And then everything kind of falls into place after that when you start talking to business counselors like us or business mentors. Um, So it's really just you got to start somewhere and uh, taking advantage and kind of knowing all these no-cost resources that are out there. Well, that is all for this week. Thank you to the M33 Project for providing music for this episode. For my co-host, Chelsea Peter, editors Julian Jensen, Yashimi Kawaichuk, Zachary Morrison, Skylar Rossi, and Michael Stacy. I'm Siggy Reese, and this has been Business Brief. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Wow.